Hello, welcome to Adapt, episode 26, which is brought to you by Text Expander from Smile. My name is Ryan Christofel, and I'm joined by my co-host, Federico Vitici. How's it going, Federico? Hello, Ryan. How are you? I'm pretty good. Yeah, I'm hanging in there, waiting for the world to get back to the way that we all love it to be. And it's, mm-hmm. it's you know, at least in, in our parts of the world, things are slowly getting better. Still a lot of craziness going on everywhere, but but yeah, um, try not. You're to ready think for about... ready for the world to change. I think that's also a John Mayer song. Yeah, you'll get me start singing here if uh, we go on mm-hmm. too long. Let's uh-huh. let, let's not <laughs> derail that quickly. How about that? No, no, because we have an actual job to do here, which is to continue our series on using the iPad as a primary computer, which we started two weeks ago. Uh, we went over uh, really the basics of uh, the iPad hardware and accessories that you can buy. Um, and I figured before talking you know, about apps and about uh, you know, more specific things, I think it's important to, to cover the basics of another side of the iPad story, which is the software, right? We talked about the different iPad models. Now I think it's time to talk about the, the core iPad OS and iPad uh, features and principles of using this device. And in, ta- in covering these, these features, um, so I made a list of all the things that I wanted to talk about, some of the core themes of iPadOS. But it only felt necessary as I was working on this list to also come up with a, li- with a different list of features from macOS uh, that you will need to not forget, but things that are going to be different on iPad and iPadOS if you're coming from a Mac. And of course, there may be an argument to be made about what if I'm coming from a PC, but I'm afraid that neither Ryan nor I are you know, experts in terms of like uh, features that you're going to miss from Windows, because I personally haven't used a Windows machine in a decade, possibly. I don't know about you, Ryan, but... I a little over a really- decade. Yeah. Okay. So we figured let's just talk about some of the macOS features that you will not find on iPadOS, or maybe you will find them, but they're going to be different. So I guess the idea would be adjusting your expectations uh, in terms of features that are just commonplace on a Mac that you're used to on macOS, but they are different on iPad. And obviously the first one that came to mind was the Finder. So the file manager, the default file manager on, on macOS, which now... I know that a lot of people like to criticize the Finder, and there's a lot of longtime Mac users who always say things like, oh, the Finder used to be way better, used to be way faster and, and more reliable 20 years ago. Personally, I think it's fine. Like the Finder, every time I use my Mac Mini, the Finder always lets me do what I need to do in terms of managing my files and moving a bunch of folders all at once from one location to another. And in fact, I would say coming from the Mac to the iPad, I think you're going to tell the difference between Finder and Files. And I personally think that Finder still is a better file manager than Files. And it comes down to to a lot of little things for me, to a lot of little details that Finder gets right and Files on iPadOS and iOS for that matter still does not get right. Uh, Things like sometimes I want to change the extension of a file, of a document on my iPad, and I cannot do that in files because there's no cha- re- uh, rename file with an option to change the extension. You can only actually rename a file without touching the extension of that item. And so for those times when 
I want to change the extension for some reason of a particular file, I need to use a third-party document manager, like documents by Riddle, for example. And that's not ideal because that's a basic feature that the finder gets absolutely right. Um, and another would be, for example, the all the um, view and sorting options that you have in Finder, uh, all the different ways that you can sort a collection of files. Most of them are not available on iPadOS. Yes, you do have three view options. Column view was added in iPadOS 13, uh, and you can actually uh, play around with different sorting options, but they're not as extensive as on macOS with the Finder. And lastly, I would also mention, and I'm oversimplifying here, but another feature that stands out for me in terms of just how much more versatile the Finder is, on, on macOS, you can install th uh, third-party quick actions in the Finder. So a quick action would be a little command, a little action that you have in the inspector view of the Finder. So when you select a file, um, right underneath uh, the tags field in the inspector, you can see a collection of uh, quick actions, which are like extensions for the Finder that third-party developers can make. And on iPadOS, in an and iOS, in files, uh, there are quick actions. So if you use column view on iPad, you will see quick actions in there when you select a file. However, those quick actions can only be made by Apple so far because developers cannot provide an extension for that specific um, part of the of the OS. So overall, files is an okay file manager. It's got a we're gonna talk about a bunch of the limitations later, but I think it could still learn a lot of things from the finder. Yeah, I, I think the main thing to keep in mind for people who are contemplating the iPad as their primary computer is that Files is a cloud-first storage solution, whereas yeah. the Finder is a local storage first. So with the Finder, typically you store all your documents, all your data on your you know, solid-state drive, on your local storage, whereas Files is really designed to be cloud-first. So you keep things in the cloud, you download them on demand when you need them, and you know, behind the scenes, iPadOS kind of does its magic trying to keep certain files stored offline when you need them. Um, you can purposely keep certain files in local storage. So you can go to the On My iPad section inside of files and keep documents in there that you always need to have stored offline. But otherwise, it's, it's just this main mindset switch of everything is stored locally on my computer to everything is probably stored in the cloud. And you can make it work either way, depending on your preferences, but, but that's a key thing to keep in mind. Um, and, you know, comparing files and Finder, maybe it's just that I, I was never as much of a Mac diehard as, as you, I don't know, but I prefer files in some respects to the Finder. Um, one reason is that uh, search, for example, maybe I'm just doing something wrong, but I've always had trouble with search in the Finder, where it just doesn't find things that are named very clearly what I typed into the search box. And so I was actually talking to my wife this last week, who was trying to search in the Finder on her Mac to find a particular work document. And I was like, don't even use search in the Finder. You should use Spotlight instead, because Spotlight yeah. will find those files. And for some reason, search and finder doesn't. I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but that that's an issue that I have. And then I just love the simplicity of mm. you have different apps installed and those apps are file providers in the files app. And 
it's a really easy process of you know activating those file providers. Whereas on the Mac, it's kind of like you know services like Dropbox or Google Drive or other things that weren't originally around when the Finder was conceived, and they're kind of tacked on now that we are in this you know cloud first world in many respects. They there's different processes for how you kind of in install those things, integrate those services into the Finder. With the iPad and files, it's just really simple. And there's an issue with some of those third-party providers not working reliably, and that's definitely a problem. But conceptually, I find the Files app a lot more approachable. Um, Maybe that's just me, but maybe some of our listeners will find it the same way. Yeah, I guess I'm like you. I, I, I do love the fact that in Files I can... You know the simplicity of it; it's very much appreciated, and the fact that I can have third-party document providers is great. But for those times when I need to do actual file management, like playing traditional, like moving a bunch of files from one place to another, moving a bunch of files into a subfolder, uh, pretty standard stuff, I do see the difference between Finder and Files, and I do wish that Files was able to. I, I wish that Apple was able to to find a better balance of like. Um, keeping the simplicity of files while also continuing to adopt some of the best features from the Finder. I think they've been doing that, and I would like them to continue doing that this year. So we we got a bunch of, uh, like, uh, the column view and, uh, and the new context menu in files last year, and I really hope that they continue to improve the, the files app on, on iPadOS this year as, as well. Um, next up, in terms of adjusting your expectations coming from a Mac, Obviously, multitasking and managing Windows is very much different between the Mac and iPad. Um, really, the, the the biggest difference is that you don't have freely resizable windows on, on an iPad. Uh, yes, you can use an app in full screen or split view or slide over. And yes, you can open multiple windows of the same app, but it's not the same windowing environment of a Mac or a PC even. You cannot freely resize a window by grabbing a window from a corner, you don't have those um, stop uh, traffic light controls at the top of a window, you don't have uh, traditional window chrome uh, in the form of a title bar, like on a Mac, uh, so it's a very much a different type of environment, and I think you 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 need to get used to the idea that you're gonna, la- you're gonna miss those utilities, for example, like... Um, on the Mac, you have a lot of you can use a lot of apps that allow you to tile your windows in specific corners of the screen. For example, all of those type uh, types of utilities are not possible; they cannot exist on iPadOS. Uh, so, it, it, I, I guess that maybe the this is pr- probably one of the most challenging differences to get used to, like the ability to have and um, freely drag around windows on a Mac. Then you need to learn a completely different system on iPadOS, which is made of the app switcher and using app, apps in full screen and using drag and drop to manage them in, in split view and slide over. So I think this is this should be by far the most challenging feature, most challenging aspect of getting used to iPadOS coming from a Mac. I agree. And we've we've talked a lot before about the iPad's multitasking system. We're not going to rehash all that or, or do a tutorial on how exactly it works. but one thing that I think is helpful just for people to keep in mind one of the differences is that whereas on the Mac you can just resize 
windows to be really small. You know, you've got your little utilities that you keep on screen in the corner, maybe. You can't really do that on the iPad. And so what you need to do as you think through the way that you're going to set up your, your, your work and, you know, the different apps that you're working in is the main apps that you're working in are going to be on screen in either full screen or split view. So you can have up to two of them. And those are the main apps. These are the things that you're actively working in. But then those things that maybe on the Mac you like to keep in the corner, that's kind of a, oh, I want to keep this close by so I can keep an eye on it or I can quickly use that. You know, maybe I have a messages you know window in the corner so that I can quickly bounce in and out of that. Well, on the iPad, you're going to use slide over for that. The slide over, you pull it in from the side of the screen and you can have a bunch of apps stored in slide over. And it works just like an iPhone on a more modern device with Face ID, where you have the little um, home indicator at the bottom, and you can swipe over that to switch through different apps. You can, you know, move your finger up and hold to enter the app switcher that's just for slide over. And so slide over is the place where you want to keep those extra utilities that are just things you want to keep, you know, nearby. You want to keep open so that you can quickly access them but you don't need them constantly on screen. I think that's the main difference is you don't keep everything on screen at once. You keep the main apps you're working in on screen, whether in full screen or split view. And then those little extra ones that you like to have close by, those go in slide over. Yeah. One of the features that, that a lot of people also rely on on the Mac is using menu bar apps, which are these little utilities that you can keep in the menu bar and I, I'm looking at my menu bar now, and I have plenty of those little icons. I should probably use something like Bartender on the Mac to clean up my menu bar. But obviously, those are, you know, as you mentioned, you can use Slide Over on, on iPad, but you cannot have a menu bar app because there's no menu bar on, on iPad. There's no place where you can, you know, install icons and tap on those icons to open a little widget. So that's another difference to keep in mind. And obviously, I'm just going to run through some of, some of the other obvious differences here. On the Mac, you always interact with an external pointing device. You always have a cursor shown on screen. And now you can have a pointer on iPadOS, but it's different from the one found on the Mac. And it's not always shown on screen, but only when you actually use it. And it's a dynamic pointer. We talked about this before, so I don't want to rehash. But obviously, uh, an iPad you can also use with touch. Uh, a Mac you cannot use with touch. It's always a, an external pointing device type of, a, type of deal. Um, on a Mac, you always have to consider app and resource, uh, resource management. And by that, I mean you have things like Activity Monitor, for example, uh, where you can, you can see all your open apps and you can see how much CPU and how much RAM they're consuming. You don't have any of this on, on an iPad. You can install third-party utilities that show you like your total amount of RAM, but yeah, by design, the platform does not allow for things like Activity Monitor to exist. And you can force quit your apps if you really want to. If maybe an, an app is misbehaving and it's doing something, maybe it's, it's frozen, you want to force quit it, you can do it. But you don't have all the kinds of control controls that you can find on a Mac and, and especially Activity Monitor for managing your resources and seeing uh, which apps are consuming power or maybe even utilities like iStat Menus, which is... Uh, uh, a system monitoring utility that also lives in the menu bar, well, <laughs> none of those things can exist on iPadOS. And I also wanted to mention um, uh, the the fact that on a Mac, you can, you can customize the um, services menu. 
And I mentioned quick actions before. The services menu, um, by that I mean you can add third-party actions to the default uh, right-click menu on a Mac. Um, John Voorhees, on, 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 my friend John on Mac Stories, recently reviewed a third-party Mac utility that lets you fully customize the services menu on a Mac. Those kinds of things are fantastic to use on macOS because they allow you to, to take control and fully customize the context menu that you see when you right-click anywhere on macOS. And this is not possible on iPadOS, right? Because the context menu uh, is provided by the, either by Apple or by the third-party app that you're using. It's defined by the developer. And I guess the closest thing that comes, uh, you know, the closest thing on, on, on iPadOS would be the share sheet. The share sheet, you can install your own extensions. You can install third-party extensions. You can use your own shortcuts. And you can and now in iOS 13, you can freely um, customize the order of everything, both horizontally and vertically in the list. Um, the, sh the share sheet is kind of similar to the, to the contextual menu on macOS. But the contextual menu on macOS, I think it's much quicker to use. And so if you're the kind of person who has been, you know, customizing the, the context menu and adding your own, like, automated workflows and custom services and Apple scripts to that contextual menu, you're going to have th to rethink your approach on iPadOS. And my best recommendation here would be to go all in with shortcuts. So and I'm almost done with my list here, Ryan. A uh, couple of other quick things. Uh, there's no Xcode on iPad yet. Again, I want to hope that maybe in iPadOS 14 we'll get something. Um, this is kind of a big one. Um, on a Mac, uh, web browsers can have different rendering engines. Mm, basically, what I'm trying to say here is that on a Mac, you can use the real Google Chrome that uses the Chromium engine. It doesn't have to use WebKit as on uh, iPadOS and iOS, because on, on that platform, there's the App Store and Apple imposes certain limitations on the web engine that web browsers need to use. On a Mac, you can use the actual Google Chrome with the Chromium engine, which is different from WebKit. And this means that on a Mac, ba again, basically, this means that you can go to youtube.com and watch YouTube videos in 4K using Google Chrome. This is not possible on iPad. There's no way currently on iPad to watch YouTube in 4K because there's no um, agreement between Apple and Google in, in letting uh, the video codecs supported by the iPhone and iPad um, basically uh, stream 4K content on YouTube. So uh, if you're the kind of person, and I put myself in that list, uh, that uses Google Chrome uh, to watch 4K YouTube on your desktop computer, uh, you're going to have to get used to 1080p uh, on, on iPad because that's all that the YouTube app can do. And, and hopefully one day, someday, YouTube, uh, Google and Apple will come to some kind of uh, agreement on how to let iPad and iPhone users watch 4K content. But that day is not here yet, unfortunately, which makes me very sad. So lastly, I want to mention on a Mac, you can download apps from the web. You can install apps from different sources. Unless you jailbreak or unless you install something like uh, AltStore on your device, this is not possible on iPadOS because the only place where you can get apps is from the App Store. You could say maybe TestFlight, but that's essentially an extension of the App Store if you want to install beta apps because even those betas that go up on TestFlight, they need to pass app review from Apple. So 
you cannot install apps from the web on an iPad. Um, on a Mac, you can install fonts, system-wide fonts with a system-wide utility. There's font, uh, Fontbook made by Apple, which makes it super easy to install custom fonts on your machine. The situation is a bit trickier on iPadOS. Uh, starting with iPadOS 13, you can use apps that let you install custom fonts. And those fonts can be used in other apps, but you still need to download a specific app from the App Store, and that app needs to contain the font that you want to use. Basically, if you, like me, have been over the years purchasing your favorite fonts as OTF or TTF files, you're going to have to use a third-party utility on iPadOS that lets you install a custom font via what is basically a hack. The hack would be that you need to install a custom profile uh, like a custom certificate on your device that contains the custom font. Uh, I've been using for many years now AnyFont, which is a third-party utility that lets me install custom fonts on my iPhone and iPad. And it works because then I can use things like uh, San Francisco Mono or Nikti or some of my other favorite typefaces in any app that uses the default um, font picker menu. But ideally, there should be something native and there should be something that essentially like font book, really. Uh, so keep that in mind if you're, you know, maybe you're a designer and maybe, you, you know, you've seen that Photoshop is now available on, on iPad and maybe you're considering, hey, I could switch from a Mac, I could switch from a PC and get most of my work done with Photoshop on iPad. You need to keep in mind that there's no font book on iPadOS and that installing custom fonts requires a different approach on the platform. Um, lastly, I would mention uh, the Mac has really strong automation support in terms of system-wide automation that lets you run scripts and commands and workflows without the limitations that we've seen in shortcuts on iPad. Uh, on the Mac, you have utilities like Automator, like Keyboard Maestro. You have the terminal, of course. You have a, <laughs> an actual fully featured desktop cl uh, class command line utility to run all kinds of scripts. And you have, and I know that a lot of people like to dunk on this, but you also have AppleScript, right? That, that allows you to write really simple, well, relatively simple scripts, relatively simple commands in a sort of natural language uh, environment that allows you to automate and script all kinds of apps on your system. So the on, on a Mac, you have... Uh, that kind of automation that goes beyond the limits of a sandbox, which is still not the case on iPadOS and iOS with shortcuts. So again, um, you will have to say goodbye, for example, to utilities like Hazel on a Mac, uh, the kind of apps that run in the background all the time, and when something happens, they run a specific script or like a specific command in the in the shell. That is not possible on an iPad. So. Uh, I just felt like it was um, something worth pointing out because I am one of those people who keeps a Mac Mini running in the background all the time because I do have some scripts that I want to automatically execute when something happens. Like in my Dropbox, for example, that stuff is not possible on an iPad. Yeah, and I never really used much automation on the Mac back when I was a regular Mac user, but the same principle of you know, system-wide in the background actions applies to other things too. So one of the things that I missed the most moving to the iPad was the clipboard managing app that I used on the Mac, which would 
keep a persistent record oh, yeah, that, of that's everything I copied. One. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because you have clipboard managers on the iPad, but they don't work at all the same way. On the Mac, the app can have permission to automatically, in the background, keep a record of everything that you save to the clipboard. And you can very quickly, with a nice keyboard shortcut, um, pull that list of all your past clippings, all your past things that you copied, and you know use those. So it, it's a great time saver, depending on what your job is, to have that full history right there at your fingertips. And it's a great time saver to be able to set a you know, a system-wide keyboard shortcut that can work no matter what app you're using. That's another thing you don't really have on the iPad. Each app can have their own individual keyboard shortcuts, but you don't see, you know, a third-party app like um, Paste, the clipboard manager, enabling a keyboard shortcut that can work when you're not using the Paste app on iPad. You actually have to be inside of the Paste app to use the keyboard shortcuts, whereas on the Mac, you can be doing anything else and you have this universal shortcut that loads up the the paste history, and uh, those are some really nice automations of sorts that you just don't have on the iPad. And so, definitely things that uh, people will want to keep in mind as they're thinking about a potential transition to the iPad. Okay, before we move on to talk about in a little more depth the difference between file management and documents and how they work on the iPad, let me thank our sponsor for today. This episode of Adapt is brought to you by Text Expander from our friends at Smile. Your time is valuable, so don't spend it typing the same thing over and over. Use abbreviations to expand simple things, like your phone number or address, or more complex things like fields for email and message replies. Text Expander works on all your computers, so you can expand snippets when you're in the office or working from home. And if you want to learn more about Text Expander, they do interesting webinars every month. Sign up for the Text Expander Beginner, Advanced, and Team webinars to learn more about boosting your productivity. You can find all of their webinars and sign up now at textexpander.com/webinar. Do you remember the first time that you started learning keyboard shortcuts on your computer? They make you feel so much more efficient and productive. Text Expander gives that same feeling, enabling you to easily, with a quick shortcut, have blocks of text automatically created. Text Expander is available for macOS, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and of course iPad, and Adapt listeners get 20% off their first year. Just go to textexpander.com/podcast to learn more about Text Expander. It'll really boost your productivity. Check it out now. textexpander.com/podcast and let them know you heard about them on Adapt. Our thanks to Text Expander for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, let's talk about some of the fundamental features of iPadOS, and I figured we should start talking about the, the fact that the iPad is fundamentally different from the Mac in terms of managing your app data. Uh, so the idea of using individual apps on an iPad, uh, and each app contains it, is its own container, but also using files. So you do have a file manager on an iPad. Um, where apps can also store data, but which can also be an optional thing to use. So it's kind of a mixed environment when you think about it. Um, so for years, when I started using the iPad, um, almost eight years ago as my primary computer, there was no file manager on the platform. There was no iCloud Drive. There was no Files app. There was nothing. 
And the scenario was the following. Each app was um, stored data in its own container. Um, so you were using pages. Fine, your documents lived in pages. Uh, you were using, uh, I don't know, what was around then? Byword. Then your markdown documents lived in Byword and so forth. And if you wanted to, to exchange these documents between apps, because there was no centralized location where to browse all these documents, what you needed to do was you needed to use the share sheet and specifically the open in menu, um, which is still sort of around now, but it's kind of different. Uh, basically, you would use open in to send one document from one app to the other. And in the process, you were, you were creating a copy, a duplicate version of that file. So if you wanted to use multiple apps to collaborate on the same document, because maybe they were part of the same project or the same workflow, you had to end up with multiple duplicated copies of that file because there was no centralized location where you could say, keep this document here and let me open the same document with different apps. That was not possible. And also, back then, if you wanted to transfer um, data files, documents from your desktop computer to an iPad. Now, keep in mind, this is before iCloud Drive. This is before iCloud was actually good. Um, you could use Dropbox, but you could, because people were still syncing their devices with a USB cable, you would have to, you could use iTunes file sharing to transfer data from a Mac to an iPad by using this feature of iTunes. iTunes is also not around anymore, uh, but it, it, it was not a it was not good, honestly, Ryan. I, I, I don't know if you remember, but it was not great. It was fine because I think this system, it did play, you know, uh, it was designed, it was designed to, to highlight the strength of using an iPad, which was you don't have to worry about managing files because all you need to worry about is finding the app that you want to use and your documents always live inside the app that you're using to create and edit that document. And that like that idea, I think, is still so important to the iPad. I don't ever want the iPad to become like a Mac in the sense of, oh, you always need to use the Finder to manage your stuff. But I feel like that principle, that idea, falls short of meeting expectations when it comes to doing certain kinds of actual work. An actual work that involves using multiple apps to open the same document, right? Uh, perhaps you need to use pages and then you want to use... Um, now, maybe pages is not a good example, but there are all kinds of documents that you may want to open in, in, in multiple apps, right? And perform certain edits or maybe pass it around to multiple apps. And I feel like the centralized location was necessary, you know, bringing files to, I, to the iPhone and iPad First, as iCloud Drive, and eventually as an actual file manager, I think it was so important to address that limitation of that old system. So now we are in this mixed environment where you can have a centralized location. You can use iCloud Drive. You can use third-party document providers. You can use third-party um, uh, cloud services. You can use local storage. But also, if you don't want to use any of that, you can still use apps the old-fashioned way, so whatever you create in a certain app always lives in there in its own sandbox, in its own container. I definitely think that Apple 
from the start had things wrong. I, I, I like the the clean, you know, pure principle of, oh, you just go to this app and the, the data for that app is there and that's all you have to worry about. It just doesn't work in the real world. And so yeah. I'm glad that they finally came around. It took a while, but they finally came around to let's build the files app. Let's uh, build in certain technologies, which we're going to talk about in a second, such as the document browser and open in place. Like file management on the iPad is honestly, at least in my view, and maybe other people have different experiences, but I think it's in a really good place right now where there's a lot of core ideas and technologies that are really solid and effective at at making file management still simple, still easy, and kind of, you know, you don't have to do a lot of thinking or work or understand much about computers to know how it works. Um, but it also doesn't, you know, keep your hands tied like it did before, where apps can actually share data amongst themselves. And it's a lot better than it used to be. I think the the main problem as I see it now is that certain apps still are kind of, they haven't quite adopted the latest technologies yet because they were initially built with the old file mindset. And so it's it's taking some time to transition everything, which means that there will be some inconsistent experiences depending on the apps that you're using. But if you use more modern apps and if you use the, the apps that you and I use a lot, which really uh, do a good job of adopting everything that Apple has done with files, then it's actually a really, really nice experience. And in, in some respects, people might find it more enjoyable than the Mac. Um, so yeah, we're, we're going to talk about what those different technologies are. But I, I think Apple has done the right thing now, and things are in a really good place. But the initial conception, it just, it, it, it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there are, as you mentioned, some new technologies that I think are important to also uh, be familiar with because they do set the iPad apart from using the Finder on, on a Mac. Um, and uh, they are also the technologies that I wish more developers would uh, implement in their apps. Um, so one of the, uh, one really important thing to consider, we mentioned it a few minutes ago, is that apps can also make their their documents, their files accessible in the files app. In addition to using those documents inside those specific apps, you can also browse their entire file structure in files. Uh, the way you do this is you basically customize the sidebar in files, you tap the edit button, and you enable multiple um, document providers. Um, so that allows you to, again, you have that centralized location approach where you can use a specific app and you can open the app and you can manage your files in there. But if you want, you can also use files. And by using files, you you put yourself in, in a situation where that document can easily be imported into a different application while using files as a layer in between multiple apps. So examples of apps that also expose their documents in the files app, uh, Yoink uh, is, a, is a shelf app. It's this little utility that allows you to clip anything uh, on an iPad, whether it's text or a link or an image or a video. You can uh, save it by pasting it into Yoink or by using an extension or by using a shortcut. There's multiple ways that you can get your stuff into Yoink. And Yoink uh, clippings, these little bits of 
data that you save in there, you can use the Yoink app to manage them, to preview them, to share them with other apps. But Yoink is also a document provider. So all, your, all the stuff that you save into Yoink is also accessible via files, which means that every time you see a files-compatible app, you can just navigate to the Yoink uh, file provider and maybe import or open in place a document from Yoink using files as the middleman. Uh, another is DevonThink, which is this um, um, database app that allows you to collect anything. It's kind of like Evernote, but for power users. And DevonThink has its own custom database um, structure inside the app, but it's also a document provider. So you can use the, you can browse your entire folder structure with folders and subfolders and all the files that you've saved in a database inside the files app. And the same approach um, is also used by Keepit, which is a similar app to DevonThink. Keepit is t uses CloudKit Sync uh, to store your uh, your data across platforms, but you can also use the Keepit Files provider. So you can enable Keepit as a as a source of data in files, and you can browse your entire library of folders and files uh, using using the Files app. Um, so I feel like this is a really important factor to consider. All right, because it's so fundamentally different from the Mac where you always save documents into the Finder. On iPadOS, you have this mixed approach where you can use apps, but if developers do the work of adopting these technologies, these technologies you can also use files as an alternative way to browse those documents, but also as a system-wide layer, as this middleman that sits in between multiple apps and allows you to exchange files easily, much more easily than before. Um, Something to keep in mind for that is that it's not that every single app should become a document provider, a file provider in the files app, because it doesn't make sense for every app. But for the apps that you named, Yoink and DevonThink and Keepit, those apps are meant to hold a whole bunch of different kinds of data, uh, different types of files that you will then potentially want to access from other apps that specialize in those file types. And so it's a great option on the iPad to have things like this, similar to the fact that you can have a Dropbox or a OneDrive you know, set up as a file provider. You can do the same thing with these other apps that may not be cloud storage services, but they effect effectively function as storage services. And so you can have them as file providers. But you know, other apps that focus on one specific thing, those really shouldn't be document providers in the files app because that that's kind of missing the point of what that file provider, document provider designation is for. It's meant to be a source of a whole bunch of different kinds of files. And so that's just something to keep in mind. It's it's a nice feature for the apps that are well suited to that. But most apps will not be document providers and shouldn't be, frankly. Yeah. Uh, Opening Place is also part of this conversation. Opening Place is a new file technology that allows apps on iOS and iPadOS to, as the name suggests, to open a file in place without creating a copy, without creating a duplicate. It's a way for apps to open a document from another application, make changes to that document, and save those changes back to the original file in its original location without creating a duplicate version of it. So this is how um, uh, this is how I've been using my iPad for the past couple of years by taking advantage of apps that use Open in Place to 
make changes to the same document without creating multiple versions of the same file that I need to keep track of. Uh, examples of this are IA Writer, Working Copy, Ulysses now supports Open in Place, I believe, Codex, Textastic. So I just mentioned uh, basically file managers and text editors, but I think you can find examples of Open in Place in a bunch of like there there are some other some other apps on iPad that do use Open in Place now, uh, and I feel like uh, it's very important for this kind of this kind of feature, this kind of workflow to be adopted by developers. Because opening place is the kind of desktop-inspired functionality that has been adapted to work well on iPadOS as well. Because if you think about it, on a Mac, of course opening place is the way that everything works. Because you save a file into the Finder, and then you just right-click and select Open and choose the app that you want to use, you always open something in place. That's by default. But because the iPad, by default, was not built for opening place years ago, Apple needed to figure out a system to make this work. And of course, they came up with files as a system-wide uh, file manager, and opening place as a feature of files. Uh, I really think they've, they've been able to strike this balance where you can continue using multiple apps, but now you also have a way to open the same file in place without creating duplicates. And related to opening place is also the document browser. So the document browser is a, we've also talked about this before here on Adapt, I believe, but it's a way for apps to use files as their initial start page, as their initial view. So if you've ever used the latest version of Pixelmator or Pixelmator Photo or MindNode or Pretext uh, on an iPad, you know what I'm talking about. It's basically when you open the app, the first thing you see is not a custom page, it's not a custom view, it's a files view. It's your entire files app with local storage and iCloud Drive and all your third-party providers and all your tags and favorites. It's basically files, but used as a view, as the, as the launch view for a specific app on your device. And the benefit of this is that when you use the document browser and when you select something that you want to open, it always opens in place because that's how the document browser works. So one, one of my favorite, favorite examples here is PDF Viewer, which is my favorite PDF annotation tool on iPad. It uses the document browser. So I can navigate to any location on my device where I may have saved a PDF document that I want to edit, and I can just tap on it, right, with PDF Viewer, and it opens in place, and I can make changes to it, and then I can close the document, and the changes are saved back to the original file in its original location, and I'm back in the, in the files view of the document browser. So uh, a common workflow for me here would be to save a PDF using mail in some subfolder of my iCloud drive, and then later I can go in and open it with PDF viewer, no matter the location where I've saved it, and the document opens in place, and I can make edits and close, and I'm done. I think... For people who are new to the iPad or new to productivity on the iPad, the document browser is just a nice kind of comfortable, familiar environment so that when you're opening different apps, you don't have to think, oh, how do I get to my files? How do I navigate this app? With the document browser, it's just the files interface. Uh, you know, certain apps can customize some of the colors of it a little bit. They can make some tweaks, maybe add a couple extra buttons in the menu at the top. But for the most part, it is the files interface. And so it's a much cleaner, simpler, 
just more intuitive uh, experience when you are using apps that work with the document browser because you see the same thing no matter where you are, whether you're opening the Files app, whether you're opening PDF Viewer or MindNode or Pages, Keynote, and Numbers. Apple's iWork apps all support the document browser. It's, it's the same interface. And that makes things so much easier for people who are new to the iPad because you know most apps do a pretty good job at making it obvious kind of how you can navigate around, but that's not true for all apps. And so for someone who is transitioning to the iPad, I'd recommend, if at all possible, try to use apps that support the document browser just to make things easier for yourself so that you know how everything works and you just have to learn that once. You just have to learn one app, essentially, the Files app, and then you know how document management works across all these other apps. Uh, it's a really great technology that Apple added a couple of years ago, and and I hope that more and more apps are going to continue supporting it. Um, we've seen a slow increase of that, but it's not quite at the point where I'd like it to be at this point. Okay, so the last concept that we want to talk about in this episode is that of gestures and keyboard shortcuts. So I already touched on briefly how on the iPad you can't have the sort of universal system-wide shortcuts from apps that you have on the Mac, where you can just enter that shortcut wherever you are and it will you know, activate some function in a particular third-party app. You can't do that. There are shortcuts that cover you know, certain system functions such as the app switcher, uh, command tab that works just like on the Mac. And, but those are all built by Apple and shipped as part of iPadOS. You can't do that with third-party apps. However, um, there are a lot of things, fortunately, that the iPad does and iPadOS does regarding gestures and shortcuts that are very, very similar to what's on the Mac, where you don't necessarily have to learn a whole bunch of new systems. The biggest challenge, as Federico said earlier, is the multitasking gestures for split view and slide over, you know, using drag and drop to move app icons to different parts of the screen and all that. Um, it's complicated. We've talked about that in the past, and Apple has tutorials for it, so I'm not going to try to explain all that over uh, a podcast again, but that's definitely a challenge. Um, but gestures for navigating iPadOS in general, there are four finger gestures that you can use to do things like switch between apps or open the app switcher. So if you have um, four fingers on screen and you move from right to left, then you can switch apps back and forth. If you have a modern iPad Pro 2018 or 2020 that has the home indicator and no home button, um, it's faster and I've just really gotten used to using one finger to swipe at the bottom of the screen on the home indicator and it does the same thing. Uh, similar to using four fingers to open the app switcher. You grab, essentially, the app that's on screen, pull it up a little bit and release, and there's the app switcher. You can do the same thing with the home indicator with a single finger. And so some of those gestures that have been around for years, they really work best these days if you don't have the home indicator on your iPad. So if you have an iPad that still has a home button on it, then you can use those four finger gestures to do that. Um, Otherwise, the home indicator is a quicker way to do it, and it works just like on your iPhone. Uh, there are gestures for the trackpad, which, again, this is just like on the Mac in many respects. So a three-finger swipe back and forth on the trackpad will switch apps. Uh, three-finger 
up and hold on the trackpad opens the app switcher. It's very familiar to what people are used to doing on the Mac, which is a, you know, just a helpful aid as you're navigating this new environment that is iPadOS. Um, there are important actions that are hidden behind long presses or right clicks. So if you long press or right click on different interface elements inside of an app, then you may get a bunch of different new controls. So I uh, reviewed an app on Mac Stories this week called SpendStack, which is a, a financial list app where in this latest update to the app, um, the developer added a whole bunch of new actions inside of context menus where you can right click on one of your lists or you can right click on um, one of the items in your list or if you don't have a cursor, you can just do a long press on those things. And there's a whole bunch of actions that pop up. And a lot of apps have adopted context menus. They were just introduced last year in iPadOS 13, but you'll find them in many, many modern apps where a long press or a right click on different buttons, different interface elements will reveal all these different actions that are essentially just shortcuts, quicker ways to do something than you know, maybe some of the other options available to you. But you can also long press or right click on apps on the home screen to view quick actions. Um, so gestures are helpful. They speed things up. Context menus are great. Um, but keyboard shortcuts are really essential. If you are a longtime Mac user, then you know that. And while you may not have quite as many keyboard shortcut options on the iPad, apps are getting better and better about supporting more keyboard shortcuts. And I think that's going to continue now that we have a Magic Keyboard that has a built-in trackpad. I found myself more than ever before trying to learn the different keyboard shortcuts inside of apps because I can actually keep my fingers down on the keyboard mm. since the trackpad is there. Whereas before, you know, before I had a trackpad, I would have to touch the screen regularly. And since I had to touch the screen already it didn't make much of a difference whether I knew a keyboard shortcut or not. Whereas now, it's a lot more important. So there are certain ones that, as I mentioned earlier, are built into the system that are system-wide that iPadOS supports. Command-Tab for the app switcher. You can do Command-Space for search, just like Spotlight on the Mac. Uh, and when you do that, you can navigate the results with the arrow keys and hit Enter to open the one that you want. Um, there's no escape key on the Smart Keyboard Folio or the Magic Keyboard that Apple makes, but you can use Command Period as the alternative for escape. This works on the Mac as well, although many people probably don't know it. And so any app that has some functionality tied to the escape key, you can actually do that without an escape key using Command Period. Um, command Option and D will show the dock. Uh, command Home, I'm sorry, Command H will bring you back to the home screen. And then really the most important thing, honestly, and it's a feature that I love about iPadOS and it frustrates mm -hmm. me anytime I use a Mac that it's not there, is that in any app, you can hold down the Command key and uh, you get this pop-up yes. that shows you a cheat sheet for all the different keyboard shortcuts that are supported in that app. And this has been around for a long time and so... Most apps support it. Every time I come across an app, and it's very rare, that 
offers keyboard shortcuts but doesn't show them to you when you hold down the command key, mm-hmm. I get really frustrated. Um, but in general, any app that you're going to use, especially productivity apps, you hold down the command key and you'll see all these different keyboard shortcuts that are supported. You don't get that on the Mac, which makes it a lot harder to learn shortcuts on the Mac. But on the iPad, wherever you are, you're in an app and you're like, oh, I wonder if there's a faster way to do this. Just hold mm-hmm. down the command key and you'll see all the options right there. It's a great yeah. aid for learning new keyboard shortcuts, which, as I said, now that there's a trackpad in iPad OS that's supported, keyboard shortcuts are more important than ever. And I think we're going to see developers continue to do more and more with offering extensive keyboard support on the iPad. Yeah, and some apps actually support so many shortcuts that they do offer multiple pages inside that cheat sheet that you can actually swipe to navigate to multiple pages of shortcuts. Uh, For example, all the apps from the Omni Group, for instance, or MindNode, they do support so many shortcuts. It's actually they're actually split split across multiple pages of that pop up. So uh, hold down Command in your favorite app, and and you will see this full list of of keyboard shortcuts. And um, my recommendation is if you're planning to use the iPad with with a keyboard, whether it's an external keyboard or the Magic Keyboard, try and memorize some of those essential shortcuts, especially if you have a Magic Keyboard, because now you can never you have the option to never touch the screen again. Uh, and you and I feel we should also mention apps that, in addition to keyboard shortcuts, also support keyboard navigation. So that would be the idea of not just performing shortcuts, but actually navigating the, the UI from a keyboard, which, of course, that's not as important now because we have an external pointing device, but maybe you're using the smart keyboard folio. And so apps like Things and Agenda, they offer excellent keyboard navigation support that allows you to switch between the sidebar and the main view and select different items, open and close menus and submenus. Those are really great example. But yeah, um, hold down command and try and learn your, uh, discover and learn your favorite keyboard shortcuts. Federico, are there specific gestures or keyboard shortcuts that you use most often? I use uh, Command Alt D to show the doc all the time. And that I do, I do a lot. Command Tab I use all the time, uh, especially now that I can Command Tab and use the pointer to actually select an icon in the switcher and let go to open it. It's I think it's very convenient. Uh, gestures I use the the four finger swipe gesture to navigate between open apps a lot. So I uh, four finger swipe and and I switch between apps. Uh, that I do a lot. Um, I think maybe those are the ones I use them, and I use context menus a lot, especially now with the with the with the Magic Keyboard and the trackpad, like even more so than with touch because it just feels so natural. Um, but yeah, I think I have a love hate relationship with Command Space for Search because I I I do use it, but I think it could be so much better, and so I feel like there's a lot of wasted potential there. Yeah, the main way that I use Command Space is just for multitasking purposes where I want to pull up an app and yeah exactly if an app doesn't live in the dock then the fastest way to get it into a split view is to do command space start typing the app's name and then use drag and drop to pull it out of the search results and into you know the part of the screen that you want to put it in but yeah besides that I really don't use uh, command space for actually searching for data I I will usually just use an app's own search option and uh, and do it that way uh, you know what I do use a lot? Um, the standard keyboard shortcuts for text editing. Those are supported in any native text field on an iPad. 
Uh, but things like um, command arrow to jump to the beginning or end of a line of text, or um, for example, if you use uh, command option and then the arrow keys, you can select on a like on a word by word basis. Um, yeah, those those standard text manipulation keyboard shortcuts I've learned I learned them years ago, and they just stuck with me. And so no matter like no matter if I'm using like IA Writer or Notes or Mail, I use them a lot because they are consistent in every text field on an iPad. And I think they actually are the same keyboard shortcuts as the Mac. So if you're coming from a Mac, those will be consistent on an iPad. Yeah, Apple's done a really good job of taking things that were on the Mac and in some respects, you know, copying them exactly to the iPad where there's no need for a change such as those keyboard shortcuts. I use those all the time as well. But then improving things in other ways. So the, the little pop-up that shows you all the keyboard shortcuts in a given app. There's lots of things that, that Apple has done to help make the transition to the iPad easier. But then in areas where you know, change was called for, they've, they've changed some things and, and improved some things in many respects. We've pointed out some of the things that are you know, not ideal yet, but, uh, but things are getting better. It's a good time to be an iPad user. Yeah, I really do think so. So we're going to continue this series. In the next episode, we're going to maybe follow up on some of the the, um, other points that we haven't mentioned in this episode. I'm sure we'll think of something. And we're also going to talk about apps. So uh, system apps and third-party apps, especially. What are the third-party apps that can help you use the iPad as a primary computer? What are some of the examples uh, of apps that we use ourselves? So... Uh, stay tuned because we are not done yet. We at least have still, a, at the very least, a couple more episodes uh, to go for this series. So, uh, great time! Great time to be an iPad user. Great time to be an iPad switcher. So if you're coming from a Mac or PC, I, I hope that this series can can be useful. Right. Well, this has been episode 26 of Adapt. I want to thank our sponsor for today, Text Expander from Smile. If you'd like to find show notes for this episode, you can go to our website, relay.fm slash adapt slash 26, or just look inside the podcast app that you're listening in right now. If you want to follow us online, Federico is on Instagram and Twitter as at Vitici, that's V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and you can find me on Twitter as at Iryan, T-L-D-R, that's I-R-Y-A-N, T-L-D-R, and you'll find both of us writing at maxstories.net. Until next time, Federico, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Bye. Thank you.